I met my best friend Anne in 1985. And the Babysitter's Club kept her friendship alive. Then Emily was born in 1988, and she said, Thanks, Aunt Esme. These books are great. Now we're all grown up, and we're living our dreams. As a writer and a scholar and an expert on teens. And we're gonna start again from the very first book because we're stuck. Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. Today we're discussing Mystery 5, Marianne and the Secret in the Attic. With the added secret mystery that Emily read the wrong book. (laughs) What's going to (laughs) happen? Stay tuned to find out. (laughs) Turns out the five and the six are next to each other on the keyboard. So when I scheduled record Mystery 5 on our little stuck in stony brick calendar said mystery six and noticed emily did not i never know what books we've read or haven't read but i follow directions yeah yeah Yeah. this shows something about our personalities (laughs) (laughs) well also the funniest part is that for once i read it in advance because i'm traveling today so i was like well there's nothing i can do (laughs) i have to do this far in advance but yeah. now you've done it really far in advance. Really? I'm going to just <laughs> so so you know, far, gonna forget she, it. Yeah. So far, yeah. she'll forget. Okay. Um, I'm going to start off our one sentence summaries today since I know nothing about this book except the title. Mine is Marianne gets scared by something that isn't anything. Hmm, okay. I don't think that's accurate. Damn it. <laughs> well, actually, there's a part of that that's accurate. There's, there's one part. That happens one time. Okay. Well, mine isn't very... I'll just go. I'm going to say my one sentence summary is farmers are poorly portrayed in this book. (laughs) Just to to confuse Emily a little bit. That's great. That's true. That's true. Okay. 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 Um, Mm. Mine is also less informative if you haven't read the book, so it's going to keep you guessing, Emily. Marianne discovers the real truth about her early years while all of Stony Brook learns history is fun. What? Okay. (laughs) Wow. I got a lot cooking. Yeah, what's what's the secret, huh? I'll tell you when it's my corner. <laughs> okay. okay, okay, okay. I'm also, I, you also have to guess the B plot. Yeah, I'm aware. Okay, just checking. Maybe just there's checking. a C plot. I don't know, Esme, okay? There, there kind of is a C plot, I feel. Yeah. God damn yeah. it. All right, yeah. got, I'm working on it. Okay, well, you guys, we should probably back up and tell you about the members of the podcast. I'm Anna Chikawa, a freelance writer. I'm a mischievous pragmatist with a sweet tooth. I'm Esme Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, and I, but I have a big heart. And I'm Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. I'm a total individual, and I like health food. If you want to learn more about us and how we know each other, check out our prologue episode. Also, rate and review us. It really helps people find the podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything BSC-related, drop us a line at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com. And don't forget, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stuck in Stony Brook. Lots of fun stuff there. Great community. We got to meet some of our patrons recently, oh, which yeah. was very fun. That was fun. Did a Zoom. We got to meet mm-hmm. a lot of cats. We ate and a lot of snacks. Play some games. We had mm-hmm. lots of good snack mm-hmm. food. Cats yeah. and snacks. Cats and snacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think is the best thing about being a patron of Stuck in Stony Brook, Anne? Well, way to put me on the spot there. <laughs> Anne didn't prepare for that question. So no, I didn't. <laughs> well, I feel like we do extra content. We do the hot takes, which are kind of fun because mm-hmm. they're much more uh, forgiving 
and not mm. as structured. They're more off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little, little loosey-goosey. Yeah, little loosey-goosey. Yeah. We have one about uh, the Sleepover Friends. That's uh, our newest one right now, which is, you know, spoiler, not a great book. The first, <laughs> uh, first book of the Sleepover Friends, but we have lots to say about it. And then we send little random things sometimes, get little postcards, get some stickers in the mail, and you can talk to other patrons. Come be a patron. We also post like fuller, nicer scans of our Treasure Tuesday posts. If you like those on Instagram, some of the old fan club material, stuff like that, you can download it or get a better look at it on the Patreon as well. As little as $3 a month. Come on over. Okay. All right. Emily, what do you think is going on? Maybe you should try to guess for a little while and then we can show you the cover if you're still really far off. Okay. Um, I'm going to guess the A plot features Marianne. I'm going to guess that Marianne... Okay. Maybe she hears something that she thinks is coming from the attic. This is also, it is the attic. Which kids live in her old house? The Perkins girls? Mm-hmm. No, okay. wait. The Perkins girls live in Christie's old house. Mm-hmm. The Hobarts live in Marianne's house? Oh, yeah. No. Is it the Hobarts? Yeah. Okay, so obviously that's not the plot since you don't know who lives in her old house off the top of your head. Okay. Damn, this is hard because I was going to say there's something in the attic. That is about Marianne's mother, but why would there be something in Dawn's attic about Marianne's mother? I'm going to go. Are we supposed to tell you if you're correct or are we supposed to just let you spin right now? I mean, you can if you want. It's up to you. This is a new corner we're doing. So, patrons, (laughs) our listeners, (laughs) let us know how you like this game. Yeah. How (laughs) do we play, Anne? Hold on. Let's let's check the parameters. How do we how do we play here? Do we give her reinforcement when she's correct? I think so, because otherwise it'll just be Emily like babbling nobody wants to hear that so ding 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 about her mom okay oh my god marianne's mom isn't dead yeah she's just been hiding in the attic yeah marianne marianne hears what she thinks is a kitten and she's like first scared and then she's like oh maybe there's another kitten in my attic and i can have a friend for tigger and then she goes up there and it's just her mom chilling in the attic (laughs) isn't this a plot of that shalom auslander book where anne frank is living in the attic oh Um, yeah it is (laughs) but she's like an old woman yeah yeah no okay um, okay Find no. it okay if Mar- if her mom was in the attic why would we think she would be there or if she's just been hiding for Marianne's entire life <laughs> honestly i don't know almost alma is not alive <laughs> well it can't i feel like the central point of conflict with richard and sharon is that he was poor and she was rich so like it wouldn't really be something about that i'm trying to think about what farmers have to do with it okay farmers are the b plot no. Damn it. <laughs> okay. Marianne's mom was the daughter of a farmer who mm-hmm. founded or like the great granddaughter of a of a farmer who founded Stony Brook. Yes. No. Damn. That's a good okay. guess though, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's a school project, which mm-hmm. is the B plot for yes, history class. And they have to like interview a family member or something. Mm. And Marianne's no, no, it's like not a- it's Damn not it, a Stony okay. Brook Middle School school project. Oh, oh, it's the kids' project. The babysitter babysitting charges. Okay. It is a B plot. They have to put on <laughs> like a history play about Stony Brook. It's Ish. not bad. Ish. Yeah, it's not bad. That's <laughs> one of the B plots. Yeah. And um, there is some drama over who gets to play what historical figure. Damn it. No. You That's know what? I give up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who's a that farmer? Was not bad. That was not bad. This but where's the mystery? Like... <laughs> That's the part I'm confused about. Wait, what well, is it? 
Oh, she, she finds old photo albums. Okay. Yeah. Also, that's her. That's Emily's comment for every mystery book, though. Yeah. Where's the mystery? <laughs> yeah. Where's spoiler mystery? alert. That's yeah. also my comment for mystery six. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you want to help round it out for her a little bit here? Yeah. Or so... give me some more prompts for things to guess. <laughs> okay. But how did you come to think it was had to do with Marianne's mom? Because of Esme's one sentence summary. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, because I said her early years. Her early years. I didn't say her mom, but I said her early years. Yeah. So there is Heritage. Heritage Day. Heritage Day. Heritage Day. So all the kids are trying to learn about their family. It's like in doing family trees and stuff, which gets Marianne thinking about her family and how her family is so small that, you know, the whole Marianne whining about her family again. (laughs) The whole Marianne thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So she gets it in her head that there must be some, there must be something that she doesn't know. And she recalls when they were moving. Oh, well, she was babysitting Charlotte and Charlotte had a box of like pictures of her great grandmother and just other memorabilia. Newspaper clippings from a hundred years ago, like all kinds of Johansson memorabilia. So then Marin's like, I wonder if I have something like that. And somehow she scans her memory and she remembers when they're moving into Don's house that her dad uh, had a box that like Don's mom was like, where does this go? And he's like, I'll take care of that. He took it, mm. like put it in the attic. So Mysterious. She, so mm-hmm. yes, mysterious. <laughs> so she wakes up in the middle of the night thinking about it and she like goes up into the attic and finds it and then covers this box that has letters and pictures of her with the same two people when she was a baby. She also keeps having dreams of herself with these two old people waking up and yelling mama. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So do you want to guess who these people are, Emily? Marianne's mother's parents. Yes. Good job. Yes. And they're still alive? Well, yes and no. Okay. Her grandpa dies in the course of the book, actually. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Of a coronary. Yeah. This should be called Babysitter's Club for the Teenage Soul. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. So she discovers that she actually lived with them for over a year after her mom died in Iowa on their farm in Maynard, Iowa, while yeah. Richard grieved. And no one has told her about this. And then there's like some increasingly tense letters back and forth between Richard and her grandparents with him demanding they give Marianne back and them trying to convince him they should just raise her. Whoa. And then eventually he gets her back. And so then, then pretends Mar- like they yeah. don't exist. Well, they said they didn't want to see her again because it would be too painful because she looks and acts exactly like Alma. That's so, some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it wasn't it wasn't him not allowing them to see her, but they said it would be too painful. But Marianne finds out like half of this and then like most things in the Babysitter's Club doesn't talk to any adults about it because mm-hmm. she learned pretty early that Richard doesn't want to talk about her mom because it makes mm-hmm. him sad. And she like looks across the table at dinner and sees him laughing at Sharon and sees how happy he is now and doesn't want to like upset him. So she tries to do a bunch of research, right? And she like goes to the library. She goes to the cemetery. She goes to the town records trying to find information about her mom. Wow, this sounds like a good book. It is a good book. Yeah, also when she's at the cemetery, she can't find her mom's grave, but she finds Mimi's grave and she like sits and cries over Mimi for a while. It really is. It's quite sad. I probably yeah. would have cried. Yeah. Oh, I cried several times yeah. in this book. Yeah. Um, and then 
she gets really worried that her grandparents are still trying to get her back. And then she overhears a conversation between her grandmother, Verna, and her dad, where Verna calls to tell her that the grandfather died and that she realized life is short and she wants to see Marianne again. And Richard is like, it's too much information for her. Like it's because he doesn't know that she knows all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And Marianne overhears that conversation. Damn, what are the odds? Yeah. (laughs) And then, oh, who comes to the door? It's a census taker. Yeah, but... Yeah, they're in the middle of like a very messy like project. So they're for the Heritage Day festival thing. They're the babysitters decided to make cardboard cutouts of historical figures, right. so people could take pictures of them. Which was Stacey's idea because in New York they have cardboard mm-hmm. cutouts of Bart Simpson and the president, and people love it mm-hmm. there. Yeah. <laughs> so they make old hickory. And like oh George and Martha God. Washington and then Sophie from the painting in Stacy's house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's hilarious. So they're and doing they this the project and they make a huge mess. And Logan takes his shirt off because he got paint <laughs> on it. Hubba hubba. Whoa. Yeah. Flirt yeah. alert. Yeah. Um, and then someone knocks on the door. It's a woman with a clipboard. And Marianne thinks it's like uh, what a, is social worker. a social worker. But it was really a census taker. So she's worried that the social worker is going to see that the house is all crazy and think that Richard's not a fit father and try to take her away and send her back to Maynard, Iowa. Damn, Because dude. she still hasn't talked to an adult about anything. Mm-hmm. But then right. she finally talks to Richard. It's a heartwarming conversation. He's super lovely about it. They call her grandmother. She goes to visit. And Heritage Day is a success. Okay. I have another idea. <laughs> yeah. I think when we when it comes time to name this episode, I should guess a line. Okay. <laughs> Just like... <laughs> Great. Just out, yeah. out, out of nothing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do think you'd really like this book, Emily. You should probably okay. read it on the plane. Today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, I'll think it's nice to it. cry in the air. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was going to watch The Parent Trap. So. Oh, right. That, that is what you do on planes. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> the original one. No. <laughs> Not this okay. again. See, this is what you're missing over on Patreon. <laughs> See? <laughs> See what I did there? No, it's That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Two episodes about the parent trap over there. Okay, teach me something about this book I haven't read. Yeah, well, so I decided to look into grief, parental grief, after um, the like basically widowers and the loss of a spouse. Because the whole the central conceit of this is that Richard wanted to parent Marianne, but was just like a shell of himself and was like walking around town in a fog and mm-hmm. knew he couldn't take good care of her so soon after losing her mother and that's why he agreed to send her to live with verna and tom verna and whatever her grandpa's name was he died part way through i lost track anyway um and there's also a, a sweet scene where christy talks to her mom about it because like christy and claudia didn't know nobody nobody has talked about this mm-hmm. um but all and the, liz was like and none of the parents yeah. uh, interesting okay yeah Liz was like, honestly, I think I just forgot about it. Like, we weren't that close then. They had just, like, your father and I had just moved to Bradford Court. Like, Alma was very sweet. She brought me an applesauce cake. And she, you know, they were very much in love. But I didn't, you know, nobody thought she would. Yeah. yeah, I didn't, nobody thought she would go that quickly. And then Richard just looked so sad and miserable. So it seemed like the right decision at a time. But it was such a sad time. I, I didn't really spend a lot of time thinking about it. So not it wasn't that like the Kishis and the Thomases had like kept it a secret because Richard had asked them asked to. It was them just to, not yeah. something people talked about. 
Mm-hmm. So, but I was thinking about the fact that, you know, so Marianne would have been born in 1974. If we're going by the original timeline, we could. Mm-hmm. So I, I looked at kind of 70s stuff because it was very unusual to have um, a single father raising a girl in the 70s. It's not, you know, it's less unusual now. It wasn't that it wasn't done, but it was not seen as what a kid needs. So mm-hmm. some of the letters going back and forth with the grandparents are like, you know that she needs a, a full loving home. Like it's better for her to be here where there's more people to look after her and kind of implying you don't want to be a single dad. Like that mm-hmm. wouldn't be good for Marianne. And I, I, I looked into kind of some of the 70s literature. I found an article by Ferry in 1973 called Characteristics of Motherless Families. Ooh. Um, <laughs> where they looked at, uh, you know, just whether or not how the kids were doing, it wasn't super favorable. It wasn't a great study because it was 1973, right? but it was like the first time we're sort of paying attention. And a lot of this is, you know, precursors to work on single parents in general and to concerns, later concerns about gay marriage. Mm. This is also... The, really the first time that we're talking more about the effects of the the prevalence of, this is like precursor to satanic panic, but like the prevalence mm-hmm. of child abuse and the effects of abuse on children and or neglect. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of concern. There's an article in from Fontana in 1975 called Children Become What Parents Make Them. It was very much about like Yikes. how present children are slash abuse and things like that. It, it would have been a time when people would have been concerned, not just about Richard's grief, but about whether or not he could do it on his own. Mm-hmm. And I think reading these now, that seems a little sillier. But, you know, all of Anna Martin's talk of like, probably he was strict because he wanted to make sure he was showing that he could really do this, I think really does fit with the kind of ethos of the time, the 70s into the mm-hmm. 80s of like whether or not a, a man is capable of raising a child, especially a daughter. And then I also looked at um, an article about widows and widowers under age 45. Um, And they looked at bereavement at that time. And a year later, it was a predominantly white sample. um, And they had children at home and some relatives in the same city. And they looked that poor, there was poor outcomes, like low socioeconomic status. Um, If there was a short terminal illness of the spouse with little warning of impending death, which is what it sounds like, you know, Mm -hmm. Liz saying like, we really didn't think she would go so soon. And then multiple life crises. So challenges with the grandparents, challenges with his own parents. And so all those things made bereavement more complicated, more anger, more self-reproach, more distress, which is really interesting because that's that's really seems like what they're describing for Mm -hmm. Richard. Like he was just unable to function. And, you know, I can imagine he's probably like, what do you think, like 30, maybe Mm. even like 25 or 27. And he's got this baby and his wife is suddenly gone. And he's such a like by the book guy of like kind of planning his life, how it's going to go. So I, you know, while obviously we hadn't heard about this before and it was a big mystery, it did seem really plausible to me Mm -hmm. and that it would be her parents that swoop in, not his parents, because his parents are a little bit more. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Sharon's parents being uptight. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know why his parents wouldn't have helped. They're right there in Stony Brook. But mm-hmm. maybe because her parents were also missing Alma. And so right. it was a comfort to have her. But it, it's it all kind of matched with that time. And, and particularly the idea that custody might have even been in question, even though mm-hmm. he was the biological father, um, mm-hmm. because there would have that her grandparents would have had 
kind of grounding in the courts a, at the time. A claim, yeah. A claim to say, like, this isn't as good for her. Like, mm-hmm. it will be better for her to be with us. Interesting. Whereas now, I think that would be a really hard claim to make, yeah. uh, given that Richard has a good job and has no, that there's no record of any abuse or neglect. Like, he's, like, yeah. her parents in 2022 would not have any claim at all. Well, yeah. unless he was, like, uh, receiving any kind of right. social welfare. Yeah. Well, no, that's what I meant. Like, given yeah. what we know about Richard. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. No, there are still problems for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like a white dude who's a lawyer would be fine in 2022. So, yeah. So that's what I looked into. And I just thought I like had a, you know, it's interesting reading these books as an adult. Like I, I didn't read this one as a kid because I didn't really read the mysteries. But I think there's a lot about Marianne and her identity and wanting to understand who she is. And there's a, you know, a line that Christy says later on in the book when she's like working on a family tree herself of it's like all these people help you know who you are in the world. And so it's a lot about how it's hard for Marianne to figure herself out without understanding her history. But reading it as an adult, I just really felt for, for Richard and for mm-hmm. her grandparents and kind of the, like what a horrible sad situation. Yeah. yeah. The, the adult plot was really poignant. Interesting. The very rare D plot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> F yeah. plot. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just I'm curious and what you thought about kind of the conversations with um, between Marianne and Richard, since I can't ask both of you um, <laughs> between Marianne and Richard and then her her time with her grandmother, just kind of what stuck out to you. This was all very sweet before we get to the pop culture stuff. I think like it was I mean, it was I was trying to imagine Marianne and her dad talking about it. Mm hmm. Of course, it's a book, so it's done very neatly, mm-hmm. but it was sweet. And like, he just, you know, assured her that he loved her and it wasn't, you know, he never did not want her. Mm-hmm. But there's like, did she like call him daddy or something mm-hmm. at some point, which I mm-hmm. thought was like, I was like, oh, OK, like, I don't think she ever refers to him as mm-hmm. daddy. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was a deliberate because they yeah, had yeah. this really challenging conversation. and. So she felt closer to him in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it was very nice. And it's like, maybe I feel like as kids and our transition into being adults, it takes us a while to see our parents as people instead of Mm -hmm. just like mom and dad. And I was like, oh, maybe this is like the first time Marianne kind of sees her dad Mm -hmm. outside of the father figure. And as like a, Mm -hmm. a, you know, just another person who had to deal with like this hard thing in his life. So, which... I think is a valuable lesson to learn earlier than later mm-hmm. as a kid, mm-hmm. probably. For sure. But my favorite part of the book is when Marianne goes to Maynard. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about it. What does she oh, do there? So, well, it's, it, it's fun. Cause at the, towards the end of the book, it's just all letters. So she mm. goes there and it's just like tons of letters between like Marianne and like the babysitters and Logan and stuff. And this is where my one sentence summary comes in. Because mm. it's like grandma lives in the middle of a wow. farm. Yeah. A lot of and a lot, of, a lot of it is just Marianne talking about how, what farm life is. And they mm, like. so funny. It's like, yeah. there's nothing to do here. They just want to ride pigs or, or like, you know. <laughs> stuff oh, like yeah. That. She, she gets set up on a date with like her grandmother's friend's grandson, Bob. And he just wants to save money for his car. Yeah, and it's probably more like cows. Bob. Yeah, bad. Yeah. 
And like she tells Dawn in a letter, like, don't tell Logan, but I'm going out on a date tonight. And I was like, Mary. Whoa, scandal. I know, right? Yeah. Marianne so, cheats on Logan. <laughs> but I actually thought that so was yeah. do you think that was like on brand for Marianne to do that? Oh, I do because it was like a she did the way she described out of it. Politeness. Of like, it was out of yeah, like Bob okay. comes to the door to like give her something to do with another teenager. Um, right. and it would be awkward to say no. And yeah. she knows she's not gonna actually cheat on Logan. So she's just being polite and going to the dairy queen, literally, with this guy. Amazing. Yeah. And she talks yeah. about how he eats a lot or something. Yeah. He eats enough for four other people. Yeah. And I was like, damn, Marianne. I know. Damn. You know, I'm thinking still, though, as about your the studies that you're citing, because I the legal status, too, at the time is really mm-hmm. interesting. I mean, the landscape of like how child custody laws have, you know, there's this presumption that they would have always favored women in part because of the cult of domesticity blah 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 but like they don't they haven't actually historically Mm -hmm. i mean it's been like because because of the problem of like your recognition of citizenship largely being through the vector of like your Mm -hmm. economic status or employment status and so Mm -hmm. when it's it's been hard it's hard legally and sort of in institutions that regulate parenting essentially mm-hmm. to for it's it's historically been harder for single mothers than it has been yeah. for single fathers kind of legally yeah. which is interesting but it, it, it so it would have been i think a different story had he died mm-hmm. and and his parents mm. were um yeah. like wealthy or whatever and mm-hmm. if she had been poor or had or she had never worked before, right? Mm-hmm. And she was going to try to make a case to the court that, or and if his parents wanted her, Marianne, mm-hmm. like that would have yeah. been a a really tough legal battle, yeah. kind of aside from what the yeah. you know psychological common sense was about what's right. good for kids. Yeah, right. That's really interesting. And it, it, does it also have to do with children being viewed as property, like more historically as well? Like that you would mm-hmm. go to your to your father's house, so to mm-hmm. speak. Yeah. Like that's yeah, that they were child and wife were property of the father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Interesting. Well, I think Richard did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, turns out Richard's hot. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> what's a, what's a switchel? <laughs> a switchel is, it's a simple drink. Um, it's it, a beverage? It's a beverage. Yeah. Oh. And it, it had like, I mean, when you, it's like, I was like, oh yeah, switchels were like a thing for a hot second because it's kind of, it's like an all natural drink. Okay. So wait, we're talking about this because they were selling it at the Heritage Day Fair. Right. Oh, not so, in Iowa. No. Yeah. On the she farm. Although, it, in Iowa. Although it was a, it it's a been, historical drink. Yeah, it, it's, oh. a, it's, it's a farmer's drink, so they could be drinking it okay. in Iowa. But uh, it's basically a drink made out of apple cider vinegar, lemon, ginger, and some sort of like natural sweetener, like honey, molasses, or maple syrup. That actually sounds like something I would drink. Well, yeah, it's it's like it it's really it's not good. far from kombucha. And yeah, uh, I'm drinking kombucha right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like it had its origins in the Caribbean, and it made it hmm. up to. So an, another stolen, exactly. another thing stolen. Why yeah. buy people? And like when I the main theme of this podcast. And when I was trying to learn more, learn more about Switchel, 
I was, I was like, oh, okay, like everyone says it, its origins are from the Caribbean. But once when I like tried to search like Switchel Caribbean history, I couldn't find anything. Mm. But I do think like the idea of drinking vinegars, like drinks that have vinegar, like a shrub or something, mm-hmm. they tend to, I, I don't know if this is true, but this is just from my own knowledge, they tend to come from very hot climates because it's mm-hmm. like cooling. The vinegar mm-hmm. is like a cooling property or whatever. But it became popular with farmers because they were working out in the fields all day. And it's basically like proto-Gatorade. I was going to say, it's like electrolyte replenishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Should uh, we make some at Christmas and drink it for our patrons? Yeah. (laughs) It sounds, it's very easy to make. We can put a link up to your recipe. But uh, a nickname for it is Haymaker's Punch. Mm. Because, you know, they're like doing the hay thing in the farm, so. I'm pretty sure there's like a shot beer thing that's a haymaker. Possible. Yeah. Like at bars in the Midwest. Yeah, I, I don't, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it, it's like it did have a resurgence in popularity in like around 2015, I believe. And it became kind of like a one of those like cool thing, a cool drink that's like old, like healthy, but it, they are tasty. Something else I wanted, a few things I wanted to point out were, uh, you know, Marianne is kind of obsessed with the idea of family. And mm-hmm. like, I think in her head, she has this idea of what the perfect family is, which obviously includes a living mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in the book, towards the beginning, she's kind of going through all the babysitters and talking about their family makeup. I mean, it was almost like, theirs is too big. There's this too small. But there was, there was like no like just right kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting to me that she referred to Claudia's family as small. Which is like now two kids is like it's like whoa two kids it's like today that's like like almost a lot for 2022 I feel but and then but she kind of like doesn't recognize that Stacy's an only child which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. I figured out why I know the haymaker. There's a bar in Midtown on the West Side called Haymaker. <laughs> oh, Carry on. Sense. So yeah, that I thought that was interesting that she just kind of. Mm-hmm. didn't didn't she said jesse's family was kind of small claudia's family was small mm-hmm. but she didn't refer to like Stacy as like also an only child oh i thought she mm. did she said it's just her and her mom it's kind of similar to me and my dad just in contrast to how she described the other families i thought mm-hmm. that was kind of interesting well so do you think the le- that that's one of those like after school special lessons that it's like really all families come in all shapes and sizes and just because mm-hmm. yours is small doesn't mean it's you know any less yeah. valuable or something yeah that's definitely a theme in this book yeah for sure but as a whole the series the babe series club universe tends to glorify i think bigger families a little bit mm. like the more family the better type of idea mm. it's like they're trying to be untraditional because there's like blended families and like single parents but in the end it's kind of like there, i feel like there's this desire for the traditional well, also, also the way that we come around to the notion that like small families are families too is always through the kind of loneliness or sadness of the mm-hmm. size of the small family and then you know like marianne's realization that her dad is enough and that her family is that she's happy in her family mm-hmm. kind of begins with lamenting 
lamentation and then she comes around to realize like oh and i think same with stacy right like she's sad about divorce meaning her family getting smaller and then she learns like no it's not getting smaller it's just it's just going to be different now and like Mm -hmm. yeah i i think it's really i think marianne is a lot more lamenty though like stacy obviously is having a hard time because we see her divorce play out in real time but Stacy, many times before that, talks about liking being an only child and liking hanging with just her parents and also liking just her and her mom. Like, I don't think we see Stacy having the same journey of like, woe is me, my family is too small. I think because she still, you know, because her dad's not dead, it's it's not the same piece for her. And I also think a lot of it is Anna Martin trying to legitimize the Thomas Brewer household. Mm. and like make kids who are stepped ki- kids and kids who are adopted kids feel mm. good about like that one yeah because yeah. i don't think we get a lot of like pike supremacy like we like the pikes and it's like well it's crazy over there but we're not like that's the right size for a family everybody's like can you believe it and pike triplets <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah i think like but i still think christy and mallory's families are still like the fun they're like the fun mm-hmm. families right just by sheer, sheer yeah. volume. <laughs> yeah. But I think a lot of that is to like make kids and like stepkids and adopted kids feel as good as. Well, also, you know. I think now I'm going to play the role that Anne usually plays just for sheer plot device. Like, why would they all be babysitting so much if they didn't have a million siblings? Right. Like, <laughs> also <laughs> true. Yeah. Also true. It's just functional. Yeah. It's just yeah. functional. They got to get some sense, more stories. Yeah. To have a bunch of only kids like. Yeah soliciting you know jobs from strangers two neighborhoods over you know <laughs> it's true yeah that's definitely true um <laughs> oh, i geez. solved it have you have you ever talked about if the pike triplets are inspired by the three stooges <laughs> no well we t- no we don't they dress the stooges. the stooges yeah. for they, halloween one time yeah they got really into they like saw like some movie marathon well, yeah them. But didn't the Crushers cheerleaders dress as the Three Stooges? No, they dress as... No, I can't remember. I'm mm. just thinking from Anna Martin's, like, old-timey references that that would fit into mm-hmm. kind of, you know, got down to music, you know, Parent mm-hmm. Trap, you know, Three Stooges. Mary Poppins. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. just because the three... The classic know. lineup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think there, I, there was a good chance that they could be. They're just, I think they, there was a line in the book where they mentioned they're always like up to no good or like they're always in trouble or whatever. And I was like, is that hmm, okay? Hmm. Like maybe I'll have to do a deep, maybe this could be perhaps a hot take on our Patreon. Hot take or not. This, this episode is starting to feel like SpawnCon for ourselves. <laughs> for ourselves. Yeah. 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 They, they dress up for the, for the Crushers Bashers World Series. The, cheerleaders dress up as the three students damn charlotte and uh becca and vanessa is there is there a part so, of your brain that's a little bit like a babysitter's club wiki page i i guess so mm-hmm. but i had to double check that yeah. because you guys looked at yeah me but, like, but i feel like two mentions right yeah two mentions of the three stooges i feel like is good indication that she was that that played a role in her okay upbringing. So do we think she was a Three Stooges fan and she intentionally modeled them as distinct characters off of the individual Stooges? That's or what I'm saying. was it just like a background reference that's I, it's probably I think it's like a background reference. 
Yeah, I don't think they, I mean, I don't have not spent enough time watching the Stooges to know, yeah. but I don't think they line up very well with, there's not like a Mo. Mm. There's no one's, not one of the triplets is in charge of the other ones, it seems like. But I think it's fair to say that the three Stooges are in Anna Martin's head. As oh, like, for sure. As like a reference yes. point. Yes. Yeah. I've never not seen Not arguing it. that at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do not miss it much, Em. Okay. Okay. This is the second time we hear about the artist Gary Rockman. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's a horrible name. It's so funny to me, given like, that my husband's name is Gary and the last name is like Rockman. Like that's the that's yeah. the singers. What do you guys think Gary Rockman sounds like? I mean, it's a tape that Dawn puts on when they're yeah. when they're painting their cutouts, Emily, and they have the paint fight, a la Ten Things I Hate About You, and Logan has to take his shirt off. It's just a, it's just <laughs> not. Part. Yeah. It's not like a famous name, like Gary no. Rockman. No, like. That is, that's, that's his stage name, Anne. Yeah. There's like Doesn't nothing sound good to you. There's like nothing like okay. sexy about it. But it's well, 1992. Who does he sound like? Like who is like who is he? I mean, well, is he like a no. band or is it just him? I think it's. I think it he's seems a solo, like it's just him. A solo, a solo artist. I, I did. I did kind of do a quick like search into male solo artists around that time, mm-hmm. and honestly, mm-hmm. it's like it's a transition of pop to like grunge right around then so the one person i was like i mean it could be like george michael or something Mm. okay yeah starts with g sure yeah there's i mean michael jackson was still popular then yeah but that's Uh, not a michael that's not a black guy's not named i'm just saying rock man there aren't there aren't (laughs) like there's like uh, brian adams (laughs) yeah brian adams uh okay. was kind of big then uh mm-hmm. but there were so he's not actually a rock man he's like a wh- like a little bit of a whaler <laughs> yeah. yeah but there weren't a lot of like really famous male solo artists that i feel like would fit yeah. like 13 year olds would be really yeah into. maybe i, I mean, feel like george- either george michael or brian adams would work yeah i mean george yeah. michael is is way cooler yes george michael <laughs> Well, it, Don puts the tape on. So do we think it's probably George Michael as opposed to like if Mallory put the tape on, it would be Brian Adams. Ouch. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yikes. You know, you know what else came out in 1992 as me? What? I wonder. Oh, this could be a game. OK, I'll, I'll make it quick. Three. I'll let you have three guesses. So what, what am I, is it, you're going to you're going to guess is it? the artist and the song. Okay. I'll give you three three clues. Yeah, you um, want me to guess an artist and a song from 1992? Yeah, <laughs> that's all I've got. Okay, so far. it's a one-hit wonder, rap, and okay. you used to really like to sing it. Oh, Baby Got Back came out in 1992. No, no, but close. Oh. Okay, oh. it's also I'll give you one that will really give it away. <laughs> okay, okay, it's a like a a weather element. Oh. <laughs> Informer, yes. you know, say that to me, so me, I can blame. I'll let you boom, boom down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could have been snow. Gary Rockman it could have been snow. snow. It's true. <laughs> He's white. <laughs> He's white. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. The only other pop culture thing, right at the beginning, chapter one. What is Marianne reading? Or what does she say that she's uh, she found in the freezer when she's describing this organization? Her copy of the best magazine ever made. I don't remember. They name drop Sassy in this book. Oh, they do. I, I, yeah, no, they didn't. Never read seen that an, page. 
Yeah. We've only gotten 17 before. I, I thought it was quite, quite advanced for them to mm. name drop Sassy. Yeah, Ellen cool. Miles was like, yeah. Like that but to page... me felt like a, yeah. um, let me see. I just wrote like my first note for chapter one is Sassy with like four exclamation points. Oh boy. Oh, there it is. Uh, page six. six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's describing how disorganized Sharon is. She said, once I found my best shoes, which I'd been looking all over for in the linen closet under the clean towels. I've also found a box of crackers mm-hmm. on the hall table, my sassy magazine in the freezer, and a bottle of shampoo in my shoe bag. I don't know what a shoe bag is. Bag for shoes, obviously. It's like a pajama bag. They put things in bags in the babysitter's closet. So many bags. I guess so. Yeah, although I feel like Marianne wouldn't... Is she a sassy girl? I love the idea of Marianne as a sassy girl, and I bet our legion of Marianne listeners will agree, because reading sassy is very different than, like, Doing Being the things sassy. in sassy, <laughs> like, sassy. or yeah. writing the articles in sassy. I think Marianne yeah. is a curious person and she does her homework, and I think she would read Sassy Magazine. I feel um, some pro- projection here. Uh, I mean, maybe, but I'd also think that she just like likes a lot of things and she would have yeah. moved on, right? Because she's getting like the Cam Geary teen magazine back mm-hmm. in number 10. Yeah, I true. think she's, but it's she's the same like, year. She's still the she's same. Moved, yeah. <laughs> But it's she's 1992 changing. eighth grade, not 1987 eighth grade. So she's she's That's gotten true. more sophisticated. About was there any candy? There, I don't think so. Damn. No. They drink well, the Switchel. There's other there's other snacks at the like mm-hmm. Heritage Fair. Do they have but... meetings in this book? Uh, yeah. There's like two. There's like mm. there's like barely any other like there's like no Claudia content really. Hmm. Or yeah, except her funny, except her funny letter to. Yeah, it's mostly Marianne. just like in Marianne's head this entire book. Yeah, I feel like yeah. so many Marianne books are. Yeah, yeah, they well, are. and that general... probably means yeah. there's a lot of tallies though, right? Because isn't she? Yep. the judgy you, one. You guessed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> three sophisticated, three shy, one health food, one individualistic, one bossy, one almond, one exotic. Ooh, bossy came back. Good. Marianne's gonna take a kick. Wow. Keep us with yep. Yep. You got when, it. When is exotic going to leave? I know. I really want it to. It's, it's <sighs> 1992, people. I know. Come on. I know. Okay. No I have two guesses for weirdest line. They're not, they're, <laughs> they're just like abstract guesses, not okay. specific phrases. Okay. I guess my guess is that either Marianne misuses a like midwestern phrase in one of her letters in a funny way (laughs) or a babysitting charge either just straight up says or misuses like an old-timey phrase at heritage day not not ones i wrote down but those are good Mm -hmm. there is definitely the second one Mm -hmm. but i didn't write it down i thought Anne might write it down but i wrote something i wrote something out of a letter but okay it's it's just more descriptive it is well, which I mentioned this later. Try to ride the pigs. <laughs> <laughs> and also, very good. It's like, it's just so. I'm sorry, people from Iowa. Marianne just really stereotyped you. Not, not yeah. very good. But also, she, uh, the boy she went out on a date with, he is mm-hmm. trying to save up money to buy a cow. No, I thought he was trying to save up money to buy a car. Oh, did I misread it? Because Marianne's handwriting is bad. <laughs> Let me see. Oh my God, Anne! Now who's stereotyping people from he's, Iowa? He's interested in cows, but no, it's see. car. 
So far, tried to ride a pig is winning. What kind of car he was going to buy when he saved up enough money? He was going to buy (laughs) if I liked cows. And when I said I didn't totally love them, he looked at me like I was crazy. Also, let's talk. Like I can't deal with Marianne's handwriting anymore. It's really hard to read for me. Clearly. Did you have any? I did. Mine was there. So they do the cardboard cutouts and take the Polaroids to raise money for the historical society. That's who's putting on renovation. And why do you think the historical society needs to raise money, Emily? Like, think of like a really stereotypical thing that you think a historical society might be trying to do. Erect a statue. Oh, see, that's very good. It's renovating the old sawmill. Oh, my God. (laughs) That was my reaction. So I just love this idea of a bunch of 13 year olds being like, we have to help them renovate the old sawmill. So that was my favorite line. Tried to write a pig. It should be the name of the episode. Uh, That's kind of what you did today without knowing which direction the pig was going. What? Is that like a known (laughs) saying or did you just make that up? Okay. What should we pizza toast to? Iowa. There's a part of the plot that we didn't tell Emily about, actually, that is the other reason you will super cry, which I would propose as a pizza toast, is that when Alma was dying and knew she wasn't going to get to see Marianne grow up, she wrote her a letter for her to open when she was 16. And then Richard gives it to her now because she would have no way of knowing how mature Marianne was at 13. And then we get to read some of the letter. with That's brutal. Which I also felt disappointed we didn't get to read the entire letter. But we had to read I, all the other letters about <laughs> writing pigs. I actually liked that because mm-hmm. I liked that some of it was like personal for Marianne. Like it wasn't even for us as the reader. Like it was her. Only oh, you didn't want to invade her privacy. Mm-hmm. That's not what I said. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah. I mean, let's let's pizza toast to that. Pizza toast to Alma's letter. To Alma's, to Alma's letter. letter. This episode of Stuck in Stony Brook is now adjourned. Thank you to Anna and Martin for everything. Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Emily Crandall. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kid. You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both a local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash Stuck in Stony Brook. Lastly, if you're feeling dibly generous and you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful. You're the best friends a girl could ask for. <laughs>